Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com on the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Caitlin. Ask me how much student debt I'm in. How much student debt are you in, and how can I liberate you from it? <laughs> Well, I think I'm somewhere. I honestly haven't checked in years because I obviously have no intention of paying it. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm somewhere around eighty or ninety thousand dollars in student loan debt for the master's degree I got from Boston University in screenwriting, which I would never mention. I can't believe this is coming up so early in the episode. <laughs> this is never. It's like borderline aggressive. I I love it. <laughs> Yeah, well. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, look, today I've been sent here. I've, I'm pivoted hard, and now I'm a debt collector. <laughs> and uh, you just admitted to something pretty serious on mic. Oh, and then I'm, I'm going to have it back. to... Ref- yes. Yeah. And uh, me, Officer Jermaine Fowler, the, the world's... <laughs> most ethically confusing person (laughs) am going to have sex with you and then send you to jail actually i was like that does sound kind of sexy hot (laughs) that is a kink of mine i was because there's been so much talk around i mean student debt specifically recently because of the like ongoing failure to actually relieve student debt the way that people have been saying that it was going to. I want to shout out former mm-hmm. guest of the show, Julia Clare, one of the people closest to my heart. Mm-hmm. She had a she had a viral tweet recently. Um, yeah, where she said, watching banks get bailed out for the second time in my adult life while also preparing to watch the Supreme Court tell us that canceling a paltry 10K in student loan debt per borrower is government overreach. And then there's a picture of Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story crying. <laughs> it's a banger of a tweet, and I just wanted to shout. I was thinking about that tweet this whole damn movie. Love it. Well, 
Well, shall we? Sh- oh, oh, wait. We should say what the show is. Uh, we should say what the show <laughs> is. Uh, this, this is hello. Cast. It's us. This is the Bechtel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante, and I have a voice that sounds like this today. My name's Jamie Loftus, and I have a voice that sounds like this today. Not to brag. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And this is the Bechtel cast, our podcast where we take a look at your favorite movies with an intersectional feminist lens. Today, uh, we have a movie that came out in 2019 called Buffaloed, and it, you're never going to believe where this movie takes place. It is uh, directed by Tanya Wexler, written by Brian Saka, and this movie is brought to us by a returning guest. That's so true. We don't need to say what the Bechdel test is. Not today. Let's just breeze right past Not today. it. Not it's women's today. honestly, and and women's it's Women's History Month, and I feel like we don't have to this month. We don't figure it out. To. Look it up. <laughs> Table flip. My voice sounds like this because I've just been screaming at men all month. <laughs> anyway, I haven't been using my voice. I've just been stealing. <laughs> perfect next year just steal and burn things yes <laughs> save your voice babe uh yes we should be silent <laughs> Women should now, now more than ever <laughs> now more than ever just burn down their house <laughs> Ooh, like banshees of ed sheeran style <clears throat> okay okay that's my okay. favorite joke that i've ever come up with that is really funny <laughs> i right. not to be pro men <laughs> <laughs> But that movie rips. I loved that damn movie. I was laughing. Uh-huh. I was crying. Jenny the donkey? Are you kidding? Feminist icon Jenny the donkey. Mm. Everyone in that movie rocks. Colin Farrell being like Mr. Derp is so <laughs> cute. He's like, what? Why not you be my friend? I, I loved it. <laughs> That's great. Um, okay. okay. We were about to introduce our guest. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's always going to be chaos when this guest is here, I feel like. It's true. But- <laughs> She's a culture writer and critic. You've seen her work on Architectural Digest, Vogue, Autostraddle, and you know her from our episode on Empire Records. It's Shelly Nicole, aka, AKA. the return of Shrekky. <laughs> Shrekky too. Like, I was like, are we not gonna say Shrekky? Because I will close this Zoom so fast. <laughs> Also, I'm very happy that it's chaotic when I'm on all the time. That makes me so happy. Oh, I love oh, it. It's it's so fun. We're so excited to have you back. Truly. It's so hard not to talk throughout that part, especially <laughs> when it's like, not to be on the side of men, but mm, <laughs> I have this to well, say. <laughs> the floor is yours. If you have anything Please. you want to say in response oh. to what we said like three minutes ago. No, just the fact that I I don't want to be on the side of men. And I just thought that that was funny. <laughs> and that I, I mean, we'll probably get into it because I was going to talk about my student loan debt too. But yeah, mine's like not that much. But yeah, I'm excited. I want to talk about money and buffalo and ill-fitting suits and um, (laughs) bad hair color. I'm so excited. There's so much. This movie is truly a buffet of things to talk about. It's a lot. And it is a a lot. It was a little stressful to watch thinking of like various debts that I have. That part. Just like there is a low humming anxiety to watching this movie where I paid off my student debt but there's still various 
Well, I Love went to it. school on a scholarship and only went to school once. But I was, mm-hmm. I, I'm very, very lucky that I, I paid off my student debt. It took forever. It took over, I think it took 10, 11 years, something like that. Damn. But, but I have a ton of hospital bills I have not paid mm. off. Okay. I Don't hear do about that. them all the time uh, well yeah i'm not gonna do it and we 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 but like i'm not gonna do it but i get you know every there was a, a hospital bill i have from in new york like five years ago where i didn't i went to the er and they were like you're having a panic attack go home and they're still like but that will be five thousand dollars i was like <laughs> no it won't be it, won't it will be. not be or it will be but i'm not giving it to you i'm not best of to luck you. to you and getting that absolute horse anyways um it's always fun to talk about various debts uh, okay so the movie is buffaloed yeah shelly what is your history with this movie i mean it came out pretty recently yeah it came out super recently i um because what was it? it came out in 2019 yeah i didn't discover it until the first lockdown because i was just watching everything i was watching everything if you hear someone in the background my partner is watching a basketball game right now (laughs) okay um but i i discovered it like through the first part of lockdown because i was literally watching anything and everything i could get my hands on because i had ran through all of my rewatches like my new girl rewatches the office and all Mm -hmm. that stuff and then Mm -hmm. i fell in love with uh zoe dutch like I started watching stuff with her and I was like, who is she? She's funny. I don't know. I think she's a really, 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 really good actress. Um, she's one of my favorite like white woman actresses, like, which of which I have like a few. Mm-hmm. But so I started watching it because of her. And then I fell in love with it because she's hustling. Like it's about money. It's about debt. It's about scamming a little bit and it's all from a girl's perspective which i thought was really cool um and i i mean i didn't grow up poor i grew up like maybe lower middle class in detroit both of my parents are my dad like worked at the factory and my mom um worked in an office but i learned about debt before i learned about earning you know and i learned about hustling before i learned about nine to fives which is, in all honesty, probably why I'm so successful at, like, freelancing and why it doesn't, like, mm-hmm. like if you owe me money for my – I'm going to email you 73 times <laughs> at net61. I'm going to be like, hello. Me again. Here's my money. Me again. The return Remember of Shrekky. thing I wrote for you turned in on time. <laughs> Just <laughs> Shrekky7 because I've emailed you 50 times. But, yeah, I learned about debt before I learned about earning. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't teach me, like, a lot about money, but they taught me a lot about debt. And I saw my parents paying stuff off and all that kind of stuff. So I think I just connected with this movie through that. Because um, mm-hmm. I might not know a lot about things like investing and um I was going to say, like, NFTs and all that kind of stuff. Oh, but Caitlin I, and I know a ton about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I figured, I know that you, this is yeah. actually a finance podcast. This, that's yeah. why I wanted to come on here. Um, finance bros. But mm-hmm. I, um, so I might not know a lot about that stuff, but I know about hustling. I'm always going to make it work. I can always get, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this feels very similar to the story in the film. And I just thought it was dope. Like, is it chaotic? And is it kind of 
breaking apart at a lot of things. Yeah, but for the main part, I just thought it was a really dope movie to talk about, like, debt collecting from a girl's perspective and from Mm -hmm. the inside. It was just dope. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate that it's a movie about, like, hustling slash doing shady shit to get money from a woman's (laughs) perspective because there are so many movies about that centering men yeah all that wolf of wall street type Mm -hmm. shit and all that kind of stuff money but all these movies about men scamming and getting money Mm -hmm. but it's never and also i like that it was from the point of view of her like she was trying to pay off student loans like she wasn't trying to like i guess in those other movies and other films they're always trying to just like make a buck to stay ahead and get on top but she was doing it because she was literally just trying to like pay off her shit right. and yeah. then wanting to do you know what I mean so I just thought it was dope I thought it was great mm-hmm. it's one of the, like the dopest films I've seen about like debt and debt collecting that is from an, a real something I could connect with like mm-hmm. that kind of perspective yeah nice yeah I had not heard of this movie until you brought it to us so my relationship with it is very brief but yeah I, th- I think it it posits some interesting things for us to discuss <laughs> i love that side to side bobble head of it because it's like i have a lot to say but not right now yeah. so but i guess you'll just have to wait and find out <laughs> i did i mean i there's I, i've not spent a ton of time in buffalo and i'd be curious like for people who are from buffalo like how they felt their city was portrayed because mm-hmm. i always i don't know every time i see something that specific i remember how like flamingly angry i get when i feel massachusetts has been misrepresented in television <laughs> or film for and real, so i am same. curious especially yeah. in like a comedy usually i feel like there were i don't know buffalo heads sound off because they were talking so much about wings that i'm like you know, if yeah. there's a lot of wing talk. It's like if it's a movie about Boston and we're only talking about beans. Mm. I didn't know that about Buffalo either. So I would like for someone to be like, is it really that big of a... Because I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that Buffalo was known for wings. I did not know that. you never heard oh, of yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo Wild Wings? wings? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, who's going to tell us? <laughs> Oh my god! I don't know why I didn't connect that to the city, but just the animal. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's like super. I don't know. I like did hot dog research in Buffalo, so I spent. That's why I've spent time there. Oh my god! I, they keep referencing Anchor Bar, which is like technically, I think, the birthplace of Buffalo wings. Buffalo wings also invented by a woman. Happy Women's History Month! Wow. Yes. Yes, girl bosses, I, rejoice! I'm learning so much about wings today. <laughs> I hate that I know so much. <laughs> I love that you know so much about that. Wow! Look at that. Well, Happy <laughs> Women's History Month, everyone! Look at that. Truly, I mean. What can't we do? (laughs) (laughs) While you were discovering that buffalo wings come from buffalo, I was Googling the uh, writer of the movie, Brian Saka, who is from Lockport, New York. And then based on a quick little Google Maps search, I discovered that it appears to be a suburb of Buffalo. Uh. So, So the writer 
is he's a buffalo head he's a buffalo head yeah but we let matt damon write movies about boston you know so you're just mm. not it, it's you can't just trust a single i just want to know what the buffalo heads are saying sure okay. i've been i've been to anchor bar i've gone to the source you're just bragging so much jamie on this episode i'm sorry I, yeah i paid I off know. my student debt and i had buffalo no wings student one debt time and i tried not to get jealous i was about to say that i've never been to buffalo but then I am lying because I'm realizing how close it is to Niagara Falls, oh, right. where I have been. And then I was like, oh, right. No, I have who's a bragging? Great uncle who lived in Buffalo. And I have been there. They've got good so, hot dogs. Shows you what there. I know. Well, shout out Buffalo. I, I'm a Buffalo fan. I'm a fan, <laughs> a fan of the buff. Um, I had not seen this movie before. I have like a lot of mixed feelings about this movie because I think you're like, I totally agree with you, Shelley, where it feels like this is like, and I feel like it's probably like intentionally done where it feels like a working class Mm -hmm. female perspective take on the big short Mm. format because there's a few different moments where she big shorts and Mm. is like, here is how money works. And you're like, yeah. She's big um, shorting. She's wolfing of Wall Streeting. Yeah. She is definitely wolfing of Wall Streeting. Yeah. She's wolfing out. And I do like, yeah, like the, how like the whole framework of this movie is about how she becomes this like huge hustler kind of like super villainous character, but started by just trying to like get by. And there's like all this emphasis on how the system is set up to fail her. Yeah. And the only way that she can survive is by becoming a girl boss supervillain. I don't know. But then there's other stuff about this movie that I was like, huh? Um, <laughs> but I'm really excited to talk about it. I think it's, I've never seen a movie like it. And I also like, don't think that there's like what you were, you're saying, Shelley, like there's not a lot of movies that even attempt to have this discussion. And I'm really glad that this movie has like a really clear agenda of like wanting yeah. to talk about it. And it felt like cathartic and cool to see stuff like that addressed because yeah I grew up in like a a lower middle class family and I can't relate to Peg's life directly and I also didn't eat that many wings and so it was kind of like we were (laughs) I was too busy eating beans but yeah like the 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 pressure to like you have to figure out how to get by in a system that's set up to ruin your life Um, yeah I'm glad I'm glad it's discussed I'm glad that this movie exists also um I did want to say the other thing that brought me to this movie was Judy Greer in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, for sure. Ever since Jawbreaker, I've just been like, I will follow you anywhere. And also, I am really sad to talk about this, but Reboot being canceled really made me pretty upset. I loved that show. It's It was really good, and I don't think it got the fair chance. Yeah, It was really smart. It was really funny, really witty. But yeah, Judy also brought me to this movie. I was like... Yes, like what the fuck? An icon. We still haven't covered Jawbreaker, Jawbreaker. on the show, and yeah. that's classic. Wild. I don't know how we even well. Done it yet. Sh- Shreky, come on back anytime. Oh, the return I will talk of the about return. Jawbreaker. The return of the turn to talk about Jawbreaker <laughs> of all films. Uh-huh. Listen, absolutely. Mm. Clueless gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Just mm. <laughs> or clueless. Clueless gone bad, as I like to say. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get it on the books. But in the meantime, well, let's take a quick break and then let's come back and recap Buffaloed. (laughs) 
witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. And we're back. And we're back. <clears throat> I just keep cracking myself up <laughs> at how my voice is cracking so much. <laughs> anyway, here's the plot of Buffaloed. Mm. We open in media res. <laughs> okay, master's degree in screenwriting okay. coming up again. See, that's that's a five-figure term, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, where Peg Doll, played by Zoe Dutch. I think it's Deutsch. Is it Deutsch? Oh, is it Deutsch? I don't know. I never, I never know. I, I want to say Dutch, but I think it might be Deutsch. But whenever that happens, I think I'm when I'm thinking it's like supposed to be fancier, I always hear it when they're just like, no, it's, it's just, just Dutch. It's Dutch. 
Dutch. It's just Dutch. It, it's just Dutch. I was like, ooh, I would love for her to yell at me. <laughs> it's just Dutch. I'm like, it's <sighs> just Dutch. Like, you know what? Sure. No problem. Like, it is. Okay, fine. Zoe Dutch or Deutsch is running through Buffalo, New York. She stops in front of a building. She fires a gun into the air and screams, I'm going to kill you, you fucking jag off. And we're like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? She's got a gun and it's like gold. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's a lot. It's intense. It's a good opening. Then we cut to Peg as a child. She's giving a presentation to her brother, JJ, and her mom, played by Judy Greer. Did either of you ever do that when you were kids? Like, give a presentation of, like, why I should be able to Absolutely. think? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, same. <laughs> a thousand percent. A thousand percent. I kind of wonder. I'm like, I feel like I must have seen that convention happen on TV at some point and been like, oh, yeah, amazing idea. And, like, why I should be able to stay over Samantha's house this weekend yeah. by Jamie. <laughs> Mine, I did it for, uh, I saw Camp Nowhere, which another mm. classic, classic mm -hmm. film. Saw Camp Nowhere on repeat, rented it so many times. And I was like, oh. I'm going to fucking sleep away camp. And I'm going to do a presentation as to why. And that was what I did. Like one of my many presentations to, to my family. And I went to camp that it summer. Like it worked. It, worked? Oh. it was like for the summer of eighth, like after eighth grade like right before going into high school and honestly mm -hmm. it changed my life for the best I, oh, but yeah. yeah i will say like if i were a parent right now and a kid gave me like took the time and i could do it i'd be like yeah i gotta hand it to you like look <laughs> at this look at this damn powerpoint yeah i'd be so proud of them the effort <laughs> that mercedes benz you want it all yours <laughs> yeah you got it you got it kid well, Peg is pitching Peg Inc., which is her company something something. She wants to invest money to grow a college fund so that she can go to an Ivy League school. And she wants a $1,000 loan from her mom. But her mom says, I don't have that kind of money. I'm already in a ton of debt myself. And then she gets a call from a debt collector. But Peg is hyper-focused on making as much money as possible to secure financial freedom for her future. Mm -hmm. So throughout her youth, she does various grifts. She's selling buffalo wings as if she's at a lemonade stand. She's selling cigarettes to teenagers. She starts <laughs> selling counterfeit Buffalo Bills tickets. <laughs> all to pay for an, uh, this Ivy League education that she does get into. She gets accepted into mm -hmm. a prestigious school, but she realizes that she probably won't be able to pay for it. The scene where she gets into college, I thought was so, uh, that was like one of my favorite moments in the movie of like how well it handled the idea of debt, even like generationally, because like between our generation, our parents' generation, the whatever, like I know we all know this and so do our listeners, but like the, you know, the, the way that college educations were monetized changed so significantly. And so it's like when I was trying to go to college, like my parents also similar to the Judy Greer character were like, you got in, that's awesome. You should go. And then like, 
I couldn't go to the school I wanted to go to because like once we looked at it, it was like, oh, just kidding. False alarm. This is impossible and you can't do it. And Judy Greer's character's reaction where she's like, I don't know. I don't know how this shit works. Like you got in. You should go. And Mm -hmm. like, I feel like there's so many people in our generation that experienced that and then got completely fucked. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, same thing. That happened to me, like, when I, I got accepted into the college that I originally wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, both my I have parents that are very, like, different. My dad is very, like, I mean, we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. And my mom mm-hmm. is very, like, um, yeah, we will, but still, no, you can't go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I had the same situation. Like, I got accepted to this college. I was super excited. But then the realization hit was, like, oh, we cannot afford that and because my school my high school like didn't teach us a lot about like scholarships and stuff my dad was like yeah you get a scholarship or grant it was too late to start doing all that Mm -hmm. you know so I ended up going to another school that still was like fucked me over like yeah yeah like huge and I was like shit I should have just went to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the school I wanted to go right. to. Either way, if I was going to be fucked anyway, yeah. So, <sighs> and I think you're right about that generational shit too, because my parents didn't know mm. half of the stuff that these people, these loan officers and stuff, were talking to them about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So of course right. they just wanted me to be able to go to school. So we signed so much shit, and like it is just. I think that was definitely the start of me being like, this shit's predatory, and I need to like just i would rather hustle my ass off and like pay for quarter for quarter versus doing the shit that i ended up doing yeah Yeah. it's so frustrating and it's like we were lucky that we even got to do that which is ridiculous like it it yeah i remember like the movie doesn't go into this much detail on like student loans specifically and it did make me want a movie about student loans specifically specifically, yeah because there there was like i remember like this was like early 2010s, but like the huge, there was a huge confusion in my household about like, what is a federal loan and what is a private loan? And like, what does that mean? And I think we were sort of like confused into believing that a federal loan was like good. And like, they're not going to give you shit, which is not true at all. They all fucking suck. Like private loans are maybe like worse, but federal loans are not working for you in any way. And like the way that we, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think like part of the reason I was able to pay down my student debt was because like, you know, I didn't go to the school I wanted to go to. I went to the school that offered the most money. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, like because of the way that like we fucked up the loans that we chose. And so I had to start paying it back right away and worked full time through college because they were like, well, you signed one thing one time. So sorry like go fuck yourself like get a job time to start collecting yeah yeah you're a freshman in college but anyway you owe us money already yeah (laughs) figure it out bitch um (laughs) and it just like it drives me nuts because it's like you know i'm i'm i don't know the 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 way people talk about it even people our age sometimes where it's like yeah i'm like proud that i was able to make that impossible situation work but like i wouldn't wish that on anyone and there's Mm -mm. that's hell no that's the other generational thing where people are like well i had to do it so you should have to and it's like no i shouldn't have had to do that i don't want anyone to have to do that i don't want anyone to have to do that so i don't want yeah it's fucking terrible it's terrible and there's so much to talk about but i'll wait we're only (laughs) 10 minutes into the movie (laughs) (laughs) but anyways i thought that scene was really well done yeah i agree 
And then what happens next is she gets arrested for selling the counterfeit tickets. She goes to court where her lawyer gets in a fight with the judge while the prosecuting attorney, Graham, played by Jermaine Fowler, just like watches this unfold. And then Peg is thrown in jail and starts hustling in jail, selling Gogurt. I love it. She really can't be stopped. She cannot <laughs> she... be stopped. And I'm telling you that I'll get into it later, but her hustle mentality is what makes me, made me fall in love. Because it's me. It's me. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm in this situation. Cool. So I'm going to figure this out. This, this, it's just always in me. And I get it from my mom. Like, mm-hmm. it's insane. Oh, that's, I, I'm excited. To, yeah. Cause there are so many, um, Wolf of Wall Street parallels mm-hmm. here where she just, I, I, I do respect a character that's like, I refuse to improve. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> okay. Cool. I'm going to meet you where you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Let's proceed. So she's she's telling Gogurt in prison because she's still $50,000 in debt from all of her legal fees. Mm. Also, debt collectors are still after her mom. So she's just trying to alleviate this debt. After around three years in prison, she gets out. Peg's brother, JJ, now played by Noah Reed, who I think a lot of people would recognize from Schitt's Creek, gives her a job at the bar that he bought where Peg runs into Graham, that prosecutor, or more like prosecutee, yeah. because he's trying to flirt with her. The Jermaine... <laughs> I love Jermaine Fowler so much. He's like Same. the greatest. <laughs> His character is so confusing to it, me. Yeah. He's just all over the place. Truly. It's not his fault. I don't understand. That's the one thing that I did not dig because who are you? I'm like trying to scam a system just a little bit and you're just like not going to go to dinner with me? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like his whole thing. I just feel like he is so like weirdly inconsistent where it seemed like in every scene he discovered she was a debt collector. At yeah. some, I was like, you know this. Like, <laughs> I just saw you learn this in the last scene. But up until like the end of the second act, he's like, you do what? And I was like, <laughs> I, like you know this, man. She keeps telling you. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing. But it's bizarre. And he, I think he recognizes her as the person that he like, put away like put in jail three years earlier yeah but he's mm-hmm. like "Ooh, let me buy you dinner <laughs> and she's like um you put me in jail bye i don't want to hang out with you i don't want to get <laughs> wings with you mr yeah. fowler i don't want to do this with you and it's not like i don't believe that you know people who work for the da's office can get away with all sorts of shit like i'm sure that's true but i was just like is no what how is this allowed <laughs> they're like unclear i don't know it's so confusing but you know i love to i love to see jermaine fowler i was like cool i thought they had like fun chemistry too but the relationship i was like i just don't understand and then at the very end he was like well guess what peg my grandfather like was which is like pulling from real life you know things that happen in real life and are very tragic he says like my grandfather was completely fucked over by debt collection and then was unhoused and then passed away before it was resolved but I was like, but why are you bringing this up now? Now. Like, you could have told me that so many times. Yeah. But now, 
when things are wrapping up. Right, like it sounds like her job is a deal breaker for you. Why do you keep showing up? He's also actively investigating the company that she works yeah. for. Like, it's like this won't work out this is not for us and he he acknowledges that he's like this is going to be a conflict of interest but they still have sex so many times maybe the realism yeah. is that the da's office is unethical and incompetent Correct. sure yeah but <laughs> i was confused because it seemed like we were supposed to be rooting for him and i yeah. was like but he's he's doing such a bad job he's bad <laughs> And then, and then at the end, like, I don't know. She's like, I think he's my boyfriend. I was like, all right, whatever. You guys are, you guys deserve each other. What are you talking about? Uh, well, then Peg gets a call from a debt collector. The screenwriter of the movie, too. He plays Sal. Oh, that's him. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So after talking to him for a little bit and realizing that he works in Buffalo, she realizes she can get a job as a debt collector because another thing that is examined in this movie is that because now she ha- like had served time in prison, she's very limited in mm-hmm. the jobs that she can apply for and get. Mm-hmm. But she's like, well, debt collecting is something I can still do. She is like, a f- this woman is a fucking bull. Like she's if you tell her no, that, and then yeah. she's like, I'm gonna- <laughs> she's like, I'll do something fucked up. I don't care. <laughs> like I'd like, so she gets a job working for this guy named Wiz, uh, Jai Courtney of I Frankenstein fame. Okay. We were talking about this before Shelly came on the call. I was like, let me in. Jai Courtney. <laughs> banging down the Zoom door. Um, yeah. Jai Courtney. Let's talk about Jai Courtney really quick. Because here's the thing about Jai Courtney. He was in I Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And... We here at the Bechdel cast love I Frankenstein. Uh, Jai Courtney and I Frankenstein, he plays... Look, the the man's got range. First of all, he's Australian. Oh. You wouldn't know it in this one. He's secretly Australian. You do kind of... You can kind of tell in I Frankenstein. But that's growth. And we, we appreciate that, we that from Jai Courtney. Because Sam Worthington is in some of the most highest grossing movies in the world. And he still can't hide the fact that he's Australian. <laughs> what was that... What was that like line from Avatar where he's like, he's like playing a U.S. Marine and he's like, when you at wool, you're like, oh my God, come on. And nobody thought to be like, mm, let's try that again. Can we get another take? One more take. Anyway, Just, yeah. One more. Sam, Sam, you're supposed to be from Michigan. Uh, James Cameron was just too focused on something else on set that day this is i i i I, we don't like this word and the the way that it's used in this context but the best example of that in avatar is when sam worthington's like at battle it's insane and you're like oh my god (laughs) uh anyways jai courtney doesn't have that problem Mm -hmm. he plays mr good in i frankenstein he plays an angelic gargoyle warrior (laughs) who dies for gargoyle the cause yeah yes and this one he's patriarchy the guy yeah one of our favorite tropes mr patriarchy and he's really making a meal of it he's just like growling the entire movie yes i didn't love the the character was baffling to me but i loved the jai courtney performance he was really he was really going for it mr patriarchy yeah yeah he was giving it 110 percent and yes. speaking of numbers, 
Yeah, that, ooh, yeah, that was good. That was good. Thank you. Amazing. I have a master's degree. I would never mention it. Um, <laughs> we we learn how debt collecting works once she gets this job working for Wiz, where banks sell debt to like debt agents or debt brokers. I don't know what you'd call them, mm-hmm. but they're selling they're selling people's debt for pennies on the dollar pennies right then debt collectors try to bargain with the debtors to settle their debt knowing that they can kind of negotiate because their debt is actually worth far less now that they've like bought it for pennies on the dollar but they're like oh like we'll bring your fifty thousand dollar debt down to ten thousand dollars little does the debtor know that settling their debt for $10,000 is now profitable for the debt collectors. And all of this is barely regulated by the government. Right. So Peg makes a deal with Wiz that if she can become the top collector at this agency in one month, he will erase her debt. And she does it. She again has a knack for hustling she has a knack a knack for debt collecting yeah it's a it's a hell of a montage it mm-hmm. is it's just a lot of like zoe deutsch reactions <laughs> and writing yeah. on a chalkboard or a whiteboard <laughs> right she's yeah. just so another reason why i kind of love her especially in these montages of this this montage of this part it shows how slovenly she is like she's just not she doesn't her goal in this movie is not to like she's not trying to be this pretty girl she's in it in fact when she tries to be this girl that's like classic feminine it goes bad for her mm-hmm. but i love mm-hmm. how whenever she's at the board she's like eating she's wearing baggy clothes she's just her goal is to make money and get her debt erased and i love that in this montage it's just so dope mm-hmm. she's like i'm gonna make money and i'm gonna look like shit while i do it. <laughs> i do i i like i did i had that same note shelly where it was like oh heard cl- like because we're told i feel like that happens in movies a lot that are about mm-hmm. like if you're talking about a person that not even is like living below the poverty line, but is just like not upper middle class or above. Yeah. If they're either like cartoonishly styled to be like slovenly and filthy and gross, or they're like just wearing rich people clothes in a way that makes no sense. And it's like, we see people in this movie wear the same outfit twice. We see people have like stains on their clothes after eating messy food, just like shit that is so basic. But when you see it happen, you're like, oh, that never happens. It really never happens, especially the wearing the clothes twice. I love when it happens in shows. I love when it happens in movies. And this too, I mean, this is like, I don't know, film student trying to like reach a little bit, but I think it just showed how much she doesn't care. Like she just is trying, she has a goal. Her goal Mm -hmm. is the money. Her goal is not femininity. It's not like classiness or anything like that. She's trying to pay her debt and she's not spending money on other stuff. She's not trying to do any of that. And it plays back into how she is as a person just like, the dudes do in all those fucking movies where they're trying to like make it and oh, oh god this montage part just really made me happy also 
going back to the explaining the debt, mm-hmm. it was wild because I knew that shit. And the only reason I knew mm. that was because of my mom. My mm. mom, because when I Whoa. like messed up in my 20s a little bit, you know, you get a credit card in the mail, you're like, <laughs> free money? Well, <laughs> don't mind if I do. Hello. I'll take three if you have it. <laughs> but then, like, I had to eventually like, tell my parents, it's like, hey, I am in a little bit of debt and I'm nervous. I was calling crying because these, like, debt people were calling me. Mm-hmm. I was like 24 and they were calling mm-hmm. me and they were telling me all this stuff, which was basically these guys, Sal and his crew, mm-hmm. essentially just calling me. And then my mom would laugh at me. She would be like, they offered you what? And I would be mm-hmm. like, yeah, and I paid it. She said, don't you ever do call right now and cancel that <laughs> payment plan because mm-hmm. no. And just be like, this is what I'm going to give you. And I want a letter. I want the, and it, it worked. It mm-hmm. blew my mind. It worked. Oh. And I just, I just thought that that scene was, was dope. Yeah. When she big short, it was great. It was great. That big short scene there. I knew some, not all of that. Like some of the history of like how, debt can be sold and sold and sold I knew much less about Mm. and it's good like this is like a I don't know I really appreciate what they're trying to do because it's like I don't know like it's fun to see this put in such a like goofy format and in a way that isn't like tragedy porn or bashing you over the head like it's I don't feels like a spoonful of sugar kind of like approach to talking about this in a way that I much prefer to like watching people drown and you're yes. like I could just do that I can in, look in the mirror in, if in you my like. life <laughs> like I don't need that's, <laughs> that's why I love romps it's true I mean this is a romp yeah okay so she's discovering that she has a real knack for debt collecting but she also discovers some unsavory things they do such as exploiting elderly people mm. like this woman mrs cooney by collecting on debt that has already been settled multiple times so they're just like bleeding her dry for every penny she's got because they're because mm. she like didn't remember that she had paid that debt right so they're exploiting situations like that often and peg is fully participating um, yes. at first Then Peg runs into Graham, the prosecutor, again, who tells her he's investigating Wiz and his team of collectors and that Graham can't take her on a date if she's working with these guys and being complicit in their horrible tactics. And then this is sort of like a turning point where she realizes how awful they are. So Peg decides to strike out on her own and start her own debt collecting business. I do think... It's worth mentioning that she, like, part of what I did like about Peg's character, even though I was not rooting for her the entire movie, honestly, was that, like, she is a very morally ambiguous character for lots Mm -hmm. of sections. Because it's not like she realizes that, like, Wiz is unethical and then quits the job. She knows he's unethical and she's wholeheartedly participating. It's when she doesn't get the cut up. When it affects her bottom line, that's when she leaves. It's not when it's fucking with other people. Like, she knows it's fucking with other people and doesn't care until she, I think that, like, she collected $125,000 and he would only give her 2000 so she was yeah. like well i'm out of here and i'll like go find a better deal somewhere else so she is like right. at the end of the day she's like about her bottom line exactly which i also really dig too though because i think if 
I would not have loved this movie so much if at that point, like, when realized she was, like, scamming this old lady, if she had had this moral high ground and was like, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to participate in this. Because that's not what happens to dudes in movies. Like, they right. very much so know when they're doing something wrong. And they do the same thing that she does. Peg is like, I know that y'all are doing something wrong. But now it affects me. So now I'm going to go do it because I want my money. Like, this is about yeah. me. And I think if they had made her into mm-hmm. this, like, very holier-than-thou character, it wouldn't have been very realistic, first of all, um, mm-hmm. because it doesn't take a lot. She's smart. She knows that it doesn't take a lot for her to set up this business. So I really, I'm really glad that they just made her go out on her own versus trying to be a good person and sticking it out or something. Like, no. Right. She builds the Right. Because then the movie just would have been over. <laughs> it would have been also so done. Quickly. Yeah. It would have been a nice show. I learned my lesson. <laughs> Bye. Right. And like you said, like audiences tend to permit a morally ambiguous character who is a man mm-hmm. far more than there's an expectation that women have to be so well behaved and we can't do illegal things. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's like no. Peg was like, actually, I can do illegal things, and I'm going to do it really, really well. And then I'm going to get a gold gun. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Though at first, when she does strike out on her own, she insists that her business is going to be legitimate with no shady stuff, like clean, she's going to, you know, mm-hmm. everything's going to be above board. So she starts buying the debts from Wiz's supplier, who's also Wiz's brother. Also, she has a there. There is a like random like Mr. Sweetie Pie brother that comes yeah. into the story at random points, so Judy Greer can be like, "I love you," and <laughs> like, and don't be cool. a bad influence on your brother, which I also thought was cool. I mean, this movie is doing a lot of like table turny stuff, yeah, but in a way that I kind of I guess approved of or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that her whole life she's been the bad influence on her brother like it yeah. made me so happy that she was the one who was like and he's older i think too yeah so i love the fact that that she was like you're gonna do what i say this is bad but we're gonna do it together mm-hmm. and i loved it i loved it yeah i'm excited to talk about the judy greer character too because i think there's like a lot of interesting stuff going on with her and Peg's relationship where like both of them are super in the wrong in different moments, but it's like, Ooh, interesting relationship. I'm excited to talk about it for sure. Okay. So Peg is setting up her business. She hires mostly like random people who she like sees potential in as collectors along with some women she knew from prison, such as Starla and backer. Mm-hmm. Peg's business starts booming. Everyone is good at their job. Also, Peg and Graham are like kind of seeing each other slash sleeping together now. But, you're like, yeah, but, I yeah, guess. Okay. But he keeps saying like, I don't want to date you if if you're still a debt collector <laughs> because of this investigation he's doing. I just want to do two quick shout outs for... Um, like the the character actors that compose Peg's um, staff, because yes. we've got we've got some fun familiar faces mm-hmm. in this bunch. Okay, we've got playing the part of Francis. We have Lucia Stros, who we just talked about on Fifty First Dates. Better part yes. for them. So was thrilled to see 
them. Oh, her name is Frances, not Starla. I guess that that's yeah. I'd like whatever. Oh, Starla same, was her name. Her, that like, she was using name. as a sex phone operator. Yeah, when she was on the sex. Yeah, yeah. She's credited as. Francis. Francis. Okay, got it. We have, for all my Degrassi heads, uh, we have Raymond Ablack. Yeah, we do. Who was on Degrassi when I was in high school, <sighs> Sav Bandari. I had a huge crush on him as I was watching this movie. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been in a ton, like, he's super legit. He's done a ton of other stuff. I think he was on, yes, he was also on Orphan, Orphan Black, but because uh, if, if you're, I mean, if you're a Canadian listener, you will know that it's the Canadian, like it's the Canadian military. You have to serve for two years in Degrassi, <laughs> Before and then you, you can <laughs> move on to the rest <laughs> of your life. But he did. He's he's one of our bravest Canadian soldiers, <laughs> um, serving on the cast of Degrassi from 2007 to 2010. And you have okay, my favorite, the woman who plays Rhonda, yes, is in. A small but memorable part in the original Santa Claus. Um, Who she plays what? she plays Judy the waitress from <gasps> From Denny's? No. From way. Denny's. <laughs> yeah, she's an icon. I mean, she's also been in a ton of shit, but like iconically she is Judy the waitress from the Santa Claus. And I was like, whoa. Oh I love whoa. that. Isn't that amazing? I also love how excited we got about the fact that we, we knew <laughs> she's that so she memorable. Was the- <laughs> so dope. So Rhonda is the very regular client of Peg's mom because Peg's yeah, mom sorry, runs a for... salon out of her house. Right. And Rhonda seems to be her only customer. <laughs> so... Also eating her out of house and home and also giving advice when it's not needed. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I loved when she was like, I could go for a fish stick. I was like, ooh, I know I, uh... this lady. I know this lady. <laughs> I would say no to a fish stick. Like, it was just... Yes. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Love it. So good. But yes, shout out to um, Legend of Cinema, Judy the Waitress. Just, I mean, there's... I, I love... I've got a passion for character actors and we've got we've got a real murderer's row yeah. in this movie. For sure. I also enjoyed the character Backer mm-hmm. played mm. by... Lori Odom. Lori Odom. Yeah, it's a it's a good batch. Yeah. For sure. And I love that she went for hustlers. You know, the hustlers, smooth talkers, because there's so many different ways to hustle mm-hmm. and everybody has their own sort of like niche. Yep. And we keep talking about it. We'll see that it works out. She picked the right people. Mm-hmm. Game recognizes game, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> and I like that, like, Peg, I mean, to some extent, but it's like, whatever, Peg is so morally compromised that she does lie to her employees with with, with regularity mm-hmm. and will, like, try yes. to, like, be like, look over here anytime they're like, when are you going to pay me? And <laughs> and I know, I know, like, again, Buffalo Head sound off. Would you forget that your boss didn't pay you if you got good seats at a Buffalo Bills game? Sound off in the comments. Mm, I think I would just be upset at a Buffalo Bills game. I would just be Uh, upset at, I would be upset in the box at a Buffalo Bills game. Like, damn, I know that I've got some money that I'm old. So Mm -hmm. what? Because that's how I am when I don't get paid for my freelance work right away. Literally, I'm just upset while I'm at the McDonald's. Like, I'm just. You're like, interesting. It seems like you could have used this money for anything else. It's so wild. Or I get really upset. This little side note. 
I get really upset if it's like net 61 and then I see an article mm. published just like on the site, just in general, just like in general, if an article publishes, I'm like, hmm, interesting. I feel like instead of publishing that article, you could have just sent me, me my money. <laughs> you could have right. just paid yes. me. It's, That's I was so wild. A, I was on a writing staff last year that like we were not allowed to unionize and then they brought us to a Dodgers game and it's like, but let us just unionize. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I like I don't want a hot dog and that's a lot coming from me I don't want a free hot dog today I want a union I was gonna say come on a union or also like um I I don't follow like my editors on Twitter Mm -hmm. but I know that they have one so if it's net 61 and they're tweeting about they're like out somewhere and my money hasn't hit my account I'm like huh interesting instead of going out or tweeting it feels like you could have paid me my fucking money, but you know that's just me. At a Buffalo I, Bills game, upset. I'm, I it is my new life goal to never get on your bad side ever. <laughs> because at the top of the movie, when Peg says like, "Don't fuck with my money," mm-hmm. that brought me in. Like because just don't. Like I'm a very kind person, but I think mm-hmm. because of the industry that like I'm in Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. with the way that I grew up with like that it's just very much like you could do everything else you could publish my article late you could do this you could do but do not mess with like my money it's just no I can't Mm -hmm. handle it it's really interesting that don't fuck with my money is written on your shirt right now It, it is I didn't I really didn't want to bring it up because I know this isn't like a visual based podcast, but the photo that I'm going to send is going to be me in this shirt. So thank you for acknowledging that. An incredible shirt. I mean, it was an investment, really. It Marketing. I told you earlier. This is part of my merch. (laughs) This is a part of my merch. Your other merch being just a shirt that says Shreky and then on the back says, don't sue me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) available now actually i mean yeah what a good hustle that you're running thank you Um, (laughs) anyway so wiz is not happy that peg has become his competition and he's like this is war and he starts fucking with her including dumping a bucket of like probably fake blood on peg at a bills game and then trashing her office and stealing their paper aka these pieces of paper that have the debtors information on them which is how they are able to collect the debt mm-hmm. from people i yeah the whole ca- the, the carry moment at the buffalo bills game was like the patriarchy the guy behavior goes a little off the rails for me for, <laughs> for part of it yeah. for, but there's a carry moment at the buffalo bills game we can't take that away Mm-mm. from this movie and then there's also the the blow-up doll which like yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> was just also which led into another moment of her telling her staff it's okay everything's things are fine actually fine <laughs> things are actually fine it's no big deal yeah. <laughs> and then trying to get another date with mr fowler <laughs> like i'm just like what is going like she they just they have they must be just like terminally horny for each other because there's so many times <laughs> where it's just like anyone else anyone else anybody <laughs> anybody else but it also seems like one of my favorite like very very movie things it seems like Jermaine Fowler is maybe the only lawyer in the entire city of Buffalo because (laughs) he is like 
working on every case all the time. He's never like, what are the chances? What are the right. chances? Because he's he's the prosecutor in her first trial. He's also there in court toward the end of the movie in her second trial. Mm-hmm. And then he's also running this he also separate seems to be working in the capacity of an investigative journalist. Like he's doing a yes. lot. And sometimes he's a cop. because Yes. He's I was like, it, you I have the right to remain for the first 20 minutes. <laughs> And then he comes in. He's a lawyer. He comes like, in during yeah. the raid at the end where he's like in a bulletproof jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I had to course correct my notes at some point because I spent the first half hour of the movie thinking that he was a police detective mm. and not because that's how he's acting. Yeah, that's how he's acting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, I love his uh, his secretary. She's great. Oh, yes. Like, oh, my God iconically phoning it in all day long love i it. love that for her yeah she's like what's happening what there's a party <laughs> awesome bye i was like wow that's me when i have to when i work in an office i'm just like what huh i'm leaving and she's complaining about graham who is asleep at his desk apparently all the time and also like because he's drunk on a tuesday in the middle of the day because <laughs> there's one time where she's like you can't drive home right now. You're so drunk. I mean, he's doing a lot of work, so maybe he's got he's got a wearing a lot of hats. It's true. He's you know self medicating, I guess. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah he's he's got like five different jobs depending on what the scene requires. <laughs> right. Okay, so Wiz is is fucking with Peg a lot. Wiz also has taken ownership of Peg's brother JJ's bar because. JJ had put it up for collateral on his mom's refinancing on something something debt. Mm-hmm. The answer is always debt with this movie. Always. So then Peg retaliates by calling the cops on Wiz, and the cops raid his agency, which gives her the opportunity to steal all the paper back that he stole from her. Mm-hmm. So now she has all this access to debtor information and she's able to make a bunch of money Mm. but then her mom is like peg you're hurting people with your job and peg is like nah these people spent money they knew they didn't have and this is when graham is like uh well what about my grandpa who was in medical debt and then he lost his house and then he died and peg is like I know IDK. What about my dad? Is what I would be. <laughs> yeah, the the like end of movie. There, this is another like thing that I mean, a lot of movies are guilty of, and it kind of makes me laugh. Where it's like the end of Act Two, random information reveal <laughs> that you're like, exactly mm-hmm. what? Like, I mean, with with Jermaine Fowler's character, it makes sense that that would be a, di- but I, but it doesn't make sense that he would be so deep into this relationship and suddenly it matters. Right. Exactly. It's solid motivation for him so I, I don't mind that that's a part of his character at all but it's like but why did you wait so long to why tell her that so, you've been yeah. dating this woman for months like what <laughs> are you do- like you know you know what's going on like yeah. I know she's not being totally honest but you know she's a debt collector and even an ethical exactly. debt collector is fucked up like <laughs> you know that that's your job They're, like ugh. and in the same way where it's like I think I don't know. I guess I don't know what narrative function it really served to. I guess it like helps sort of like heal like the information about Peg's father. How do we feel about that reveal? Because I I think I'm on board with it. But I just like what what purpose did that serve other than to like bring her and her mom like a little closer together, I guess. I think it was that's what I was saying. Like some of the stories kind of like 
I feel like towards that part, they wanted to wrap it up. Is yeah. what I kind of mm-hmm. felt like they were like, we need to do this. We need to say this. We need to make this connection with them. Also, because she was not close with her mom throughout the whole movie, which was another thing that I kind of actually right. really liked. So I yeah. think that they were trying to be like, there's this connection. And then and dropping off family stuff is a really good way to like speed up a story. Oh, not a really good way. It's a way <laughs> to <laughs> speed up a story. And I think, honestly, that's what they were trying to do but other than that i can't really think of why yeah right they did it so late i also like very much saw it coming it didn't even feel like a reveal because i'm like the dad yeah i can tell based on the stories that these people are sharing that this guy is a piece of shit yeah so and it's also just because of how much peg loved him Mm -hmm. and how averse her dad or her mom was to him and like when it came to money talk, yeah. it wasn't a surprise that he, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Shrug. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> so Peg's mom and Graham are like ganging up on Peg being like, your job is evil. So then there's like this big argument among them. And then the cops show up all of a sudden because Wiz had tipped them off about Peg's mom running an illegal business or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So Peg's mom and JJ are arrested. Which that's evil, evil, evil to do. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. What Wiz did. Yes, for sure. But he's patriarchy the guy. That's the kind of thing he's going to do. What do you expect? (laughs) So Peg's mom is arrested. Then we cut to the opening scene with Peg running through Buffalo. She fires the gun that she got from Francis. Um, and then she attacks Wiz and they're fighting. And then the cops show up again and arrest Peg. Mm-hmm. So she is detained with her mom. And this is where they have this like heart to heart. They talk about their dreams and they talk about finances and debt and how Peg's dad was actually an asshole. Mm-hmm. So then Peg gets out and organizes a meeting with all of the debt collecting agencies including Wiz's. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know why he's so like amicable all of a sudden. Yeah, suddenly. <laughs> he's like, I did kind of call the cops on your mom yeah. and ruin your life. So and he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that, yeah, that climactic scene, I was like, ooh, rewrite city going on here. <laughs> like, um, we're like, I don't know. I, just, I like, I don't mean to like slam the, but it's like, um, okay, we got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up. What if everyone was in the bar and then they said exactly, exactly. what they did wrong and then the movie over? And you're like, <laughs> and then the movie's finished. And that's exactly what, I, and then one more Buffalo Bills. Um, <laughs> right. Because what happens is that, Peg pitches all of these debt collecting agencies a scenario where they unite so that they can be this like huge, strong force and make a bunch of money. And they're like, yeah, I love making money. And here's all the shady shit I've done to make money. Mm -hmm. But surprise, Peg was recording the whole thing. It's a setup. And she now has them admitting to doing a bunch of illegal stuff. So the cops and... Jermaine Fowler, who is a cop in this scene, <laughs> come in and arrest uh, yeah. all of these. Who is honestly? <laughs> I was so confused at that point that I didn't even realize that that was like <laughs> it was weird. Like, but that he was acting in the capacity of not his job, like just not even like, remotely yeah. his job. He should be there. That makes sense. Yeah, like, sure. So bizarre. <laughs> God bless. So 
Peg then like sneaks off and goes to Graham's office where he has all of the evidence on all of these people to convict them because he's again also an investigative journalist question mark um <laughs> he's a hustler too <laughs> he really lawyer cop investigator journal everyone in this movie he's got a lot is a hustler yep so peg torches all of this evidence because she wants to erase all of those people's debts because she has learned a lesson mm. debt collecting is actually evil she has not had the opportunity to learn this lesson earlier in the movie we <laughs> no, gotta wrap this up <laughs> yeah and she's like oh debt collecting is evil and you know most people are in debt because of medical bills and student loans and other ways that capitalist institutions fuck over so many Americans. Mm. So Peg learns this, but because Peg destroyed that evidence, that's illegal. So then she gets thrown back in jail for a while, but she's released. She apologizes to her mom. She celebrates with her friends and she shifts gears from to quote the movie, selling nothing to people with less than nothing, which is what she did as a debt collector. Mm -hmm. And she moves on to the people who have everything, to the only hustle that's even more of an unregulated clusterfuck than debt collecting, which is hedge funds. Okay, so I love that gonna... ending. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, That was fun. It was cathartic. I liked it because they were like, I think again, trying to be like, she hasn't really learned anything. <laughs> like, right, right. She's just going to like use her her powers for sort of more good now. Yeah, yeah. sort of more mm -hmm. good. Yeah, but she's still being very selfish. Like, Yeah, love that for her. Uh, and then there's some text on screen about household debt in the U.S. being $13 trillion, which is over half of what our, like, national federal debt is mm -hmm. so i can't believe that's a number Th 13 like, trillion 13 dollars. trillion dollars outrageous absurd so that's the movie let's take a quick break and we will come back to discuss witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, 
peanut butter M&Ms because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. And we're back. We're, I feel like we, we uh, have actually had a lot of discussion already. Um, yes. I did too. <laughs> uh, I was thinking that every time I interrupted, I was like, I could have saved this. Finished the episode. And I'm like looking at the clock too. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Shelly, you're a, you're a hustler. Chaotic energy. Yeah, thank you. The chaos. so much. <laughs> so what's what's left? I think like we, we've had this discussion around Peg, but I, I think that like Peg is a really interesting character. I, I do like this movie kind of falls apart for me in the third act, mm-hmm. but setting up because like you were saying at the beginning of the episode, Shelley, and honestly, you've been like selling me on this movie more the more we talk about it. <laughs> it's because I'm a hus- I'm scamming you into loving You're this movie. scamming Jamie. me. It's oh, net 61 I'm and I'm fucked. Con artist. Um, but i do think that like yeah we have so many male protagonists that are the scammer that we like you know don't morally agree with but you're like well i'm like down to watch this guy go for the ride even though it's like he has significantly less to like push up against yeah and it's cool to see a a woman put in that role and be equally fuck you like i am bad because I think that I'm trying to think of an example of what we've covered on the show but I feel like sometimes when uh like a a female lead is doing bad stuff the movie will go way out of its way to give like ethical reasoning for it in a way that you wouldn't for a flawed male protagonist they'd be like well she is mommy or like she is not like they there's like a traditionally feminine reason she has this huge thing that's going on this is why she's being bad this is why she's selfish even kill bill like that is like her whole she's only murdering people because she is mommy like that kind of hustlers comes to mind as well where they're like yeah we're like baking drugs and feeding them to people but it's because I have a daughter yeah and even for me like 
promising young woman and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I love a revenge. Like, this is not very revenge, but I mean, she is kind of mad at the system. Student loan people peg anyway the system. Yeah, but like, mm-hmm. I just don't. I I want. I've always wanted films with like, if it's a revenge film with a woman, I wanted it to just be. She's just mad for no reason. Like, why can't she just want to be bad mm-hmm. or want to be mm-hmm. selfish or want to make these, like, money moves and all this kind of stuff because she just wants to. She's not trying to, like, pay to keep her kids in the house or try to get someone out of the hospital. And that's what I kind of love about Peg. It's like, and she's been this way since she was a kid. Right. Like, she's right. just wanted money. And it's just something she learned from her dad, which I also thought was cool, was something, a movie where... um a girl inherits a trait or a characteristic or something from her father mm-hmm. versus like her mom, which I think is was super, super dope. Like, but I yeah. agree with you that it loses me in towards the end. And there are a lot of holes, you know what I'm saying? But I think because I was so amped about the, the plot and the money and just how Peg is, I kind of like looked past them until right now where we're like dissecting them. But- <laughs> honestly most of my issues with the movie are not necessarily like Bechtel cast lens related stuff it's more just like Mm -hmm. this script could have used a second draft like the characters are a little like cartoonish and inconsistent the plot could be a bit more streamlined maybe but Mm -hmm. as far as like examining a complicated and like morally corrupt character who is a woman, which, again, is, is kind of a rare thing for a movie to examine because mm-hmm. those characters that writers or that, like, Hollywood makes space for are almost always men. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there's just, like, it's interesting to... That's a little why, I guess, speaking to, like, what we were just talking about where it's, like, the most of the movie doesn't... Like, we know why Peg is doing what she's doing, but it is, like a self-motivated thing she's not like i'm trying to save the family she's like yeah. the family clearly doesn't want to save themselves i'm gonna save myself like mm-hmm. it's not like she doesn't love her family but she's not like i guess you know using all of her time to be like come on mom it's not her like major concern yeah mm-hmm. it's not even her brother's bar she's like you're being stupid about how you're running this bar i'm not gonna help you figure it out but <laughs> but like, like you're doing a bad you're job doing this wrong yeah <laughs> but like i i guess that that's why it felt a little like studio notesy to me that she's like so thoroughly absolved of everything at the end and then she like mm-hmm. i don't know the whole like colluding with the da's office at the end and like that whole thing it's like this is a character who is self-motivated and bad like see that just like see that through I don't know I, I guess that they sort of do because she ends up just sort of like heel turning to do the exact same sort of diabolical shit in a way that's less harmful to vulnerable people yeah yeah I just didn't like it too um the only, the major thing that I didn't like I kind of liked that she had a shitty relationship with her mom and I think that yeah. like heart to heart moment in the, the cell it kind of made me a little upset because it helped her make a turn or basically make a little turn or whatever being like oh you're just like your dad and da 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 it's like i wanted her to be like yeah i am and i'm going to keep being like <laughs> mm-hmm. just, just like 
I, this is who I am. Like, I'm going to be. So I kind of don't like, I didn't like that bit of it. But mm. I don't know. I think it was because the same thing is like heart to heart. Learn something from your mom. This is learn why you're doing wrong. I kind of did want Peg to keep doing. I wanted her to like come back out of prison and be like, okay, so now I've learned exactly what not to do and maybe take it somewhere else to another city. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just. I mean, but I, yeah, I dig it. I would have been, it's like, she's a, she's like a little, she's a little villainous and it's like, but, and we know why, but it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's like, I guess, do I want girl boss Jordan Belfort? No, but like, <laughs> while we're here, I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess I feel kind of like conflicted about it. I do like the while we're here part of that, though. It's like, well, if we're going to do this, then right. like, let's just do Because I don't, it's not like I, I feel like a lot of the times they do this with like black films, too. They'll take a white film and like make it black. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. tell them to like take this like male centered situation and make it put a girl there. But at the same time, if you're already here and if that feels like it was kind of the plan anyway, you got to see it all the way through. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's like I, I'm sort of all over the place in that regard because it's also like, well, our hero is um, actively oppressing people and ruining their <laughs> lives. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's. I mean, I guess that you the what this movie does really well is contextualize that like a certain amount of this is just like who Peg is as a person. She's super fucking motivated and. But then where the society shit comes in is like she has this really intense, motivated personality in the context of growing up poor and in the context of being told that she's not going to amount to shit and like mm-hmm. can't do anything. And so it's like a, a little mix of like nature and nurture that like brings her to where she is. And I feel like that's that's much more effective than like in a void. Oh, she's just like this. And I also think yeah. it like connects to her relationship with her mom, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting and feels very like boomer, like late Gen X parent and millennial Gen Z kid where her mom does still have a like, even though she is a single mom who is like busting her ass so that her kids can mm-hmm. get what they want. They don't have a great relationship. Like you're saying, Shelly, I liked that they didn't have a great relationship. It like made sense because Peg represents all these things and these qualities that her mom is not comfortable with. Her mom still has like a fairly traditional set of values in terms of gender that comes up several times. And then it's like this weird, well, yeah, I want to know what you both think about this because there's like that weird chafing argument with them that happens a few times in the movie where her mom is being pretty sexist towards her and is like, well, why can't you just like settle down and like, you know, cut the shit and settle down. You've met a nice guy, which is super reductive and horrible and shitty and Peg never, you know, entertains it. But then it also is like, it almost, I don't know. There were moments where Peg was like, no, I don't want to do that. And thus I must do crime. And you're like, "Hmm, surely there's some middle ground here. It's like, or you could just not pay for the dinner. Cause that's where I came. It came up for me is when she was talking about, I'm going to take you out. And then the mom kept saying, who's paying? Who's paying? Why would you pay that kind of situation? And I think of instead of her being like, oh, she could have just been like, I'm going to pay for this dinner. Not, 
All right, well, I'm just going to go open up my own scamming uh, business situation and be a girl boss still to show you that I can pay for dinners with whatever guy I want to. Mm -hmm. It just was a very intense going against what mom wants situation. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that character trait of Peg's mom that she's like holding on to these patriarchal standards of a man should pay for dinner because a man should be the provider. Mm -hmm. And then like, I feel like a couple minutes later, her mom's like, Peg, would it kill you to wear a skirt every now and then? That happened so late in the movie and it feels like it came out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah, what has her mom been this like old fashioned, like (laughs) this whole weird, like sexist (laughs) ideals lady that felt like her equivalent of my grandfather was in debt and you're like why am i learning this now like why am i learning this about you now because if if let's say that was established earlier about peg's mom that like if she was sort of like judgmental of peg for wanting to be such a go-getter and wanting to make so much money because she's like no 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 like girls and women shouldn't have to you know you should just go and try and find a man and and like let him be the provider why are you so gung-ho about making your own money and maybe that was like fueled peg's desire even more to be like i have to prove these sexist ideals wrong like yeah i don't know that might have been like kind of corny but at least it would have been consistent yeah because it also would have helped like again make it more consistent too if why her mom like didn't really know about I guess the debt situations like in the house like it would have made sense if that was a part of the character if her mom was this person and a lot of women back in her day when she was being they didn't know how the finances of the house was being ran you feel me so because they were very much so like I am just taking care of house and home like I make sure dinner is cooked and uh, the house is clean and all that kind of stuff. So if they had introduced her as like more of a, a Gen X version of that woman, it would have also made more sense throughout the film too. Because I remember at one point she asked her as soon as she got home, the one of the ladies talked about her roots too. And she was like, mm-hmm. yes, we're going to get that taken care of. And it's just like, but then she was like, get a job or I haven't seen you in a few weeks. It's just, she was a little bit choppy. Yeah. <laughs> that and like, her being like women shouldn't like men are the providers meanwhile yeah. peg's mom owns and operates a business like a whole <laughs> ass business you would think that like i mean and again this is but like if i have like a movie logic helmet on you would think that if she felt that way she would be remarried like she would have right. actively right. sought that out for herself but it doesn't seem like that's been uh priority for her which is fine I prefer that like for this story but it's weird I feel like there was maybe room for something a little more nuanced because it yeah it didn't seem consistent with the character and it's like there are you know intergenerational like varying definitions of like her mom is making you know what would be considered like an honest living like she is like I guess it's her business isn't technically legal but like She's she's not doing work that is hurting people. Yeah. Her job is not ethically compromised. And I feel like there's that's kind of an interesting conversation to have between a parent and a child and between a mother and a daughter of like, I don't approve of what you're doing because it's hurting people. Yeah. And where is your line of compromise like morally? Like that's an interesting conversation, but it felt more like 
they it, it became like a more basic something that's been like hashed out a million times of like put on a dress and get married which like you're both saying like doesn't really have anything to do with that character yeah yeah it just shows up similarly Wiz being so cartoonish in his <laughs> sexism and I'm not saying there aren't men like this but like for sure I but feel like, like it's chicks <clears throat> yeah he <laughs> literally here, here are some quotes from the movie Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, please perform it Jai Courtney style. Please. He says, go be my bar bitch and get me some yes! beers. And you're like, oh, Jai. I was hoping that you were going to start off with that one. I really, really, really was. <laughs> and then when Peg like double crosses him, he's like, this is why I don't hire bitches. And I think what he means is this is why I don't hire women. And he just exactly. thinks all women are bitches or something. All women are, oh, that's are exactly. Bitches. Oh, yeah. he is a thousand percent saying because woman. And then like he dumps blood on her head and like has a little handwritten note that says something like the only thing that bitches collect is <laughs> menstrual blood. It was like <laughs> cartoonish. Like you're just like what? a cartoon character. And it is like even called when she, out. Like, it first is like got called out too, in the movie. She didn't even know that she was going to try to like, I guess, steal the job. Well, she knew that she was going to try to get a job there. But he was like, he told me. He told me I was he, there was gonna be like a guest, but he didn't say she was a piece. And I was like, Oh yeah, a piece? he also yeah he aggressively sexually harasses her in the workplace multiple times. He like I was like, like is this Buffalo's sexual harassment or or is this character just using wildly outdated <laughs> terms? Because like, could you just call me a piece? Like what year is it? No. Um, there's another scene where it's when like he's really shortchanging her as far as how much commission she's supposed to earn Mm -hmm. and he like puts his arm around her and is like making her uncomfortable invading her space and then she's like i mean she pushes back which i was happy to see where she's just like get your fucking hand off me Mm -hmm. but i think this is all just very (laughs) indicative of while the movie was directed by a woman, it was written by a man. And I feel like yeah. it was like, what, what's his name? Uh, Brian Saka. He's like, what does sexism look like? Oh, my God. It's when <laughs> men call women bitches a hundred times. Dumps. And throw blood at and them. And pours blood on you at a Buffalo Bills game. And often uses uh, blow up dolls from 1992 it was very al bundy like very what like, what oh yes like what that was that was what he he was wild for that one and it also just seemed like jai courtney's like as a man was like doing kind of some old man stuff when he was not an old man he was um yeah i thought like yeah i think that like honestly that as funny as i thought that character was i feel like it sort of Again, like in the same way, it's like it felt a little too broad and like there could have been a more productive conversation of like, I think a lot of like discrimination in general is done at like the microaggression level and this, but this movie just like is not, yeah, does not have the capacity for micro anything. Like everything is like maximum (laughs) all the time. (laughs) So it's just maybe not the movie for it. But yeah, no, everything is very, very, very to the max. And I think like when I was watching this movie too, why I like really connected with it or because like I said, it was during like the first lockdown. And I think this was like, Mm -hmm. I watched it in May or something like that. I think it was because there was so much going on with 
money in the world Mm -hmm. at that situation like Mm -hmm. a lot of people were like concerned i mean it's always stuff going on in the world with money but a lot of people were like super concerned about it we didn't know what was going on people were losing jobs like all this kind of shit was Mm -hmm. happening Mm -hmm. and i think that's another reason why i was like oh yeah i'm gonna watch this movie about (laughs) debt and scare myself a little bit more like why not (laughs) of course i am but yeah Mm. so and i and i'm just wondering why it's so hidden i guess like but i often find films like that where i like become obsessed with this movie that was probably not really meant to be seen <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah did it have a theatrical release because I, I, I watched it on hulu so. and i was wondering like oh is this like a hulu production and that's the thing i also originally watched it on hulu and this was like three years ago so i don't think it was even meant to have a theatrical release like yeah i don't remember it mm. getting a release if it did have one i mean this is something we could probably easily look up but. no i mean it's it made like less than thirty thousand dollars at the box office okay mm. which again and this was like pre-pandemic too so it's like not exactly. even really during that so i i do think it's it's frustrating because i mean i don't know like the this director tanya wexler um who also i was like ooh, massachusetts heads uh, was one of the first queer uh was one of the first w- was <laughs> gay marriage became legal in massachusetts in 2004 mm-hmm. tanya wexler and her wife were one of the first couples to ever be uh legally married in, oh. in the country no uh, which i thought was really cool that's just a fun fact uh but like she was already a well-respected director this is her fourth film and i think it's like really frustrating that it didn't get more attention because it's like is it perfect no No. is it talking about stuff that no one ever talks about in movies in a smart and funny way that centers a woman who's poor and like like that these are all things that like very very rarely happen and i wish i i yeah i wish i understood why it didn't get more attention because honestly before you pitched it shelly i hadn't heard of this movie Mm -hmm. and like and i think too like with the the cast being so stacked too like it's a pretty good it's a pretty dope cast like judy greer first of all mm-hmm. but then you got all these familiar faces like to, to smaller roles but yeah. everyone is just like in it but yeah i i just thought it was like a really dope movie because i movies that talk about money in any capacity is really pretty much interesting to me but i don't know a lot of movies about like debt and student loans and women Mm -hmm. that are all kind of rep and poor like being poor Mm -hmm. a poor woman it was just like that was what really like drew me to it but and then i just like started really liking zoe dutch as an actress like but yeah i saw her in not okay which i know a lot of people did not like but um also she's i didn't watch that she's the daughter of leah thompson like the caroline in the city like what it's just like <laughs> she is like that is like some that nepotism did please me a little bit it, it that was one that actually that pleased me quite a bit if i'm being honest i was like huh okay listening. I like I'm listening. wait leah thompson of back to the future she plays lorraine in back yes. to the future whoa okay and she's in that duck movie howard i think howard the duck isn't she in howard oh. the duck we should cover Howard the Duck. <laughs> that would be Let's do, fun. That is a trip. Let's do Duck December on the Matreon and do <laughs> Howard the Duck and the Mighty and, Ducks. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> ducks, ducks, Duck, ducks, ducks. December? Absolutely. Wow. Okay, we're doing it. We will not stop until every 
bad theme has been done. <laughs> um. Oh, you could also do Duck Butter. Duck Butter. Did you already talk about that movie? What is that? Ooh. Oh, my God. How do you know about all these movies that I've never heard of? That movie has uh, uh, Maybe Funke. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Alia, uh, Alia Shakat. Alia Shakat is in it, and it's gay, and it's bad to me, <laughs> but... <laughs> It's called Duck Butter. Yeah. Right. So that Let could be a gay part of- movies be bad. Yes. <laughs> That's my campaign all the time. Let <laughs> gay movies be bad. But then you have Dyke, Dyke, Dykes and Duck December. Yeah, there it is. Wow. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love a theme. Okay. Keep sending pit because we, we've been... I It's shocking that we haven't... I mean, I think that the, our advantage is they were never good. They were always bad. And so we never had to be like, we have to think of another good theme. It's never... It's never happened. I love it. Um, to, to go back to the, like, discussion of, like, finances and money and debt that's, like, the crux of this movie, or some, some might even call it the thrust of the movie. Mm. I'm bringing it back. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> the eyes. I'm going to keep exactly. saying thrust. I wish um, everyone could see the, the eyebrows on Jamie that went up with that. Like, okay. I know. You can't fuck around with Caitlin when they're saying thrust. It's just like, okay. <laughs> you win. Yeah. Don't try and stop me. <laughs> I'm um, not. I'm not. Uh, stop. I, so here's what has happened. I wrote down something in my notes, and I don't remember if it's because it gets examined thoughtfully in the movie or if it's just a really meaningful, amazing thing that I had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, I'm excited. I'm so excited. So part of the story is that she never even ends up having student debt because she never ends up going to no. the Ivy League school that she got into or any school. Yeah. Because as she points out that to go to the school that she got into would have been seventy thousand dollars in interest alone. Yeah, so interest alone. It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars in tuition and housing and expenses that she would have incurred. Which I'm glad they say. Right. Yeah. And one of the reasons she's so kind of hell bent on going to college and specifically an Ivy League school is she says that higher education is the key to financial freedom. Now, I think that... I think that's tongue-in-cheek. And I don't think this really gets examined or challenged in the movie. But while, like, a degree does open a lot more doors for people, higher education is also kind of a racket. Mm -hmm. And it ends up suffocating a lot of people in student debt that they have a really hard time escaping. And it doesn't necessarily, like, guarantee you a magnificent job right so i don't and again i don't think the movie's actually commenting on that i think this is my tirade against yeah. well my higher I mean, education my view is like higher education should baseline be more accessible because it feels like right. between our parents generation and ours it seems like you now need an expensive college degree to have access to the same level of jobs that our parents had with a high school degree and so now there's this yes. huge financial entry point to work at an entry level job like it's hard to get my mm-hmm. I mean my my brother is like struggling with this right now he's trying to get a basic office job and it's like he has a college mm-hmm. education but it's like it's still not enough and that wasn't as much the case with previous 
generations. And right. I don't know. It's like, I don't, I would never want to discourage anyone from getting higher education. I think it's more of a matter of just like, I think that like I was, I'm, I'm very glad I went to college. I feel very lucky that I got to go. If I knew what I knew now, I would have chosen, uh, pro- I probably would have gone to a state school. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have been as like enchanted by the like high price tag, like fancy looking like, oh, you have to go here. But even that introduces a sort of thing because you're like almost buying into an alumni network and you're buying in like there are things that come. I, I just like... I don't know. I, I, cause I feel like there's, there was a discussion about this in a recent, like, I think it was one of the trillion bullshit New York times opinion articles that have come out recently. <laughs> I think I might be thinking of another publication, but they were like, you know, asking like, well, where have all the English majors gone? And like English majors, it culturally catch so much shit of like, this is a useless degree. This sucks, blah, blah, blah. And I know like I've probably <laughs> made similar comments. Like I have a useless degree, like, and I, I don't know, like, but in retrospect, it's like you'd need people to be incentivized to want to study literature and study history, especially and like study history well, but you can't be in you know, six figure debt to study history. There's no way out of that. Like you're fucked. And then, so what do you do? Just like lose certain areas of study because it's been made so impossible to even access it. I just, I don't know. I think the movie kind of like explores it a little bit by saying by the opposite, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what Peg thinks. She's like, oh my God, yeah, like this is what I need in order to be somebody, in order to get a lot of money, in order to do all this shit. Then ultimately she doesn't go and she learns that that's actually not what you, there's so many ways for you to like be successful. I guess it just depends on what kind of financially successful you want because she's scamming. So it's a little bit different, right? (laughs) Right. But I think, (laughs) but successfully, but I think that like I was very bought or in like sold a dream when it came to like college but I think that's like goes back to what it says about like our parents my parents were like I was the first person in my I'm the first person in my family to like go to college right mm-hmm. like and to like graduate and all that kind of stuff like my brother mm-hmm. went but he went for like two semesters and was like absolutely the fuck not I don't <laughs> want to do this <laughs> you know good for him good for him right and I think that I wish like when you're saying looking back Jimmy I think like I wish that I had been told more, like the options, like you said, a, a state school right. or going to community college first for some quarters and then transferring mm-hmm. over or knowing that like I didn't have to do it in four years and rack up all that debt, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But I do think that that is a really big thing and people never I went to school for fashion like I majored in fashion I minored in journalism right but Mm -hmm. when I look back at it now like no one's ever asked to see my degree no one's ever asked for it I've never got I've never had to prove it and then like I never needed it for the career that I've made my for myself now like I really honestly didn't need to go but I was told that that is what I needed in order to be successful was a college degree and then I ended up putting myself in this debt I ended up putting my mom and dad in debt and that's what I was going to talk about too with like debt in general that's why I know so much about it because like I said I learned about debt before I learned about earnings because my family was 
always paying something off or paying a bill or catching up on a bill or something like that. So I, I was always more focused on that. But I personally only have 30000 in student loans. Mm-hmm. And I only have that because my mom and dad took on the rest. You know what I mean? And I think it wasn't mm-hmm. a plan. I think it's just because, like, they were doing that same thing of being like, this is your key. So we are going to take this on because this is your key to doing all the big stuff and ultimately like rescuing or being there for us. You know what I mean, too? So I think that's another thing that's kind of explored in the movie, too. Like Peg does want to make money for herself, but she actually does say it when she talks about going to school she's like it's for her and it's for her family like she as selfish as she may be she she still knows that her success equals like theirs which is kind of like a lot of pressure (laughs) but like right it's just a lot of pressure so I guess but yeah I wish I had just been told more about loans and stuff like right it's so and I feel like it's like intentional that we're not so intentional yeah you're 17 you are 17 years old and then they're like hey you want to go to college don't you? you've watched those movies do you want to take out 90 grand in loans? 90 grand. Right. <laughs> four years don't worry it's four years we're gonna give you a really good degree you're gonna make so much money and then we'll like just get it back from you for a little bit you're 17 you don't know anything and i think we know mm-hmm. more so if our generation um like has kids and stuff like that i think i hope that it's a little bit better for them just because we can now teach them more about these like predatory practices and what to be looking out for and all that kind of stuff. And then the other thing is like pushing for like more systemic, like that's, a, I mean like literally what's happening in the Supreme court right now and mm-hmm. like how it, it sucks. Cause it's like as individuals, your powers, you have more power in like telling your own child, like, Hey, I fucking fell for this we are not going to fall for this. Yeah. We will not be fooled again. But then on the other end is just like continuing to push for this to be less of a problem, like, which is like theoretically what should be happening with student debt relief, even though it's nowhere close to the amount of like 10,000 is like a drop in the bucket for like everybody. It wouldn't even make a dent for most people. Right. Yeah. And it's like, to to be clear, I love education. Of learning, you have so much of it. <laughs> I have so much of it, and in learning rocks. I'm not pro ignorance. Correct. What I am against is what higher education has become. As far as it's a scale, like it's I a business, and like you were saying, Jamie, about just sort of the shift in the in the job market of like our generation now needs an advanced degree for entry level positions versus what our parents needed. So people noticed like, oh, there's now like this supply and demand thing that we can completely exploit. And I mean, tuition rates increase like dramatically every single year. Sometimes if I really want to feel awful, I will Google like annual tuition rate for Boston University, for just a lot of private schools. Cost $58,000 a year just in tuition $60,000 a year 64,000 like it's obscene there's so much complicity and I like Caitlin I don't disagree with your point that like not everyone I mean and Shelly you were saying this like not everyone like if you have first of all if you don't know what you want to do when you're 17 years old you are normal Uh, and you don't need to like (laughs) 
Yeah. That is so, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. It's like they're, you're 17 and they're like, okay, so what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Are you ready? Pick. It's just like, no, <laughs> I like, don't know. No. <laughs> so like you should be allowed the grace to, and then like, but then it creates this wild issue where it's like, well, what are you going to do in the meantime if you can't get a job without a college degree? And right. like, it just is a fucking, whatever that fancy word for snake eating its tail is. Mm. It's that. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. But then there are like, I, I do agree with you, Caitlin, where there's like some things where it's like, I don't know. I went to Emerson and I should be ashamed of that. And I am. Uh, but yeah, they horrible offer, school. Like, after, How disgusting. After, what? I mean, I really like <laughs> I whatever. I'm grateful I got to go to college. I would not do that again. But it's partially because it's like that school now offers like a comedy a stand up and they will major. let. Wait. They will let a kid go into six figure debt when the answer is go, go to, to an a open fucking mic. open mic and humiliate go yourself. It's free. Like that kind of shit. You're like, that's just like a predatory and a them problem way. Sixty thousand yeah. dollars a year. And they're like, Will you speak to them? I'm like, No. No. Cause you're all you're gonna do is get on stage and be like, Don't do this. But I think that's <laughs> a thing too. <laughs> And they'll just like cut your mic, and you're just like, <laughs> right. And they're like, no, 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 that wasn't very funny, was it? <laughs> like, but, and, well, I guess I didn't learn a lot. And I think that's the thing too that a lot of colleges are doing, right? Like, I know we're kind of off topic. We're not really off topic about the movie, but like, that's another thing that colleges are doing. I think they're figuring out that we or people have figured out that they don't need to go to college to do certain things, like you said. A sixty thousand dollars a year to pay to learn how to be a stand-up comedian. I cannot believe that that's an actual <laughs> degree. Like that blows my mind. And sorry, but like you know, you're going to be learning from exclusively failed stand-up comedians. Exactly. It's not going to be helpful. But I, I <laughs> like, think that's what they're doing. It's just like they're very aware that people are going other routes to do the things that they want to do. So I think a smarter kid, especially of this generation, with parents who our millennials will be like, okay, you want to be a stand-up comedian? Sure, that's fine. But I would rather pay for you to go take a $2,000 year class at Second City versus $60,000 a year at a major college for four years to do the same thing. So I think colleges are also, they're just trying to like use their names that they have, add these like degrees and these programs to be like, you still have to go to college to do whatever it is you want to do. You still have to go to college because that's insane to me i did not know that you could actually get a degree uh, in stand-up comedy Look, from emerson college that's wild. i will never shut up about it it is so <laughs> fucked up to be clear i do not have this degree and i no. refuse to participate yeah. <laughs> uh but like i don't know like I, I think like ultimately like i think something that that peg is not affected by and i think that like her character is supposed to be Gen Z. Also, I'm like, this movie could take place in any year. I don't really know. Any year. Uh, you don't see people oh. using phones, like cell phones? Anyways. Right. Um, but it seems like she's like sort of a Gen Z coded character. And I did appreciate that, like, I don't know, like when I couldn't go to the ridiculously overpriced college that I would have been in debt forever mm. if I had gone. And the reason I went to Emerson was because they offered me a big scholarship and so that was really lucky but like anyways like the it I, I took it so personally it felt like a personal failure that I couldn't go where I thought I was supposed to and like so it felt personal and then it I also just was not educated on my options 
whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And like there was so much stigma and like shame if you couldn't do the thing you thought you were supposed to do. And it seems like Peg does not suffer no. under that shame as the movie goes on. Like mm-hmm. she's just like, well, I'm not like it. It is the system. It's not me. So what can I do? This has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just really quickly. I don't really have much to say about this other than I just think that the romance between Peg and Graham feels pretty wedged in. Yeah. I don't mind that like Graham is there as a character kind of, you know, like representing whatever, some kind of like institutional, like also like the failure of like the legal system in the U S I feel like could have maybe been (laughs) better represented in his character, but I'm just like, why it does like, the story only suffers. It was just weird. That character was so, <laughs> so weirdly weird. written. And the story suffers from like trying to like put them together. And I'm just like, none of this makes any sense. Like you're constantly talking about how this is a conflict of interest and it is. So why are you together? I think they thought that if they were going to make her such this kind of character, that they gonna they had to give her a romance, right? Mm. But I, which I do like hate. But I would have really loved if instead of making him, because I agree, it's one of the things about the sh- the film that I'm kind of like this is weird. Instead of making him like a romantic interest, I think it would have been cool just to keep him as this other lawyer that is just like happens to always be around because he's involved in this debt collecting like situation you know what i mean investigation it didn't ha- it, yeah mm-hmm. it didn't have to be romantic it could have been a little bit more comedic and but yeah it was kind of weird especially because they kept acknowledging that they should not and would not work out <laughs> <laughs> like they consistently did it so it was really weird to me but yeah mm-hmm. it was kind of yeah. like thrown in there and she didn't need a romance i don't think peg needed one in general or was seeking one or wanted one but i think when it came to the mm-hmm. script they were like well we can't make her a girl boss and single <laughs> like right, right right pick a lane peg which yeah. is like wow because that sounds like something peg's mom would say randomly like <laughs> absolutely i agree like i don't think that the love story was necessary but also it was like it, once again it was just like a little confusing because it seemed like at first she was like using him which she was for most of the relationship but right. then at the end it's kind of like flipped and they're like well but she does love him I'm like I was not really picking up on that it seemed like she would go to be like hey do you want to have sex when she needed, needed to steal from something him. from the DA's office like that <laughs> yes. was almost exclusively what it was and which that feels more consistent with her character but again it's like a third act thing where at the end she's like I think he's my boyfriend and you're like I don't know if you like him <laughs> right. like what do you have anything in common like but that would have been great too to keep her as this selfish person who is just very much being like I need some files I'm just gonna do this but I don't think they were gonna they weren't too keen on keep making Peg that way in like every aspect of her life which sucks yeah they wanted to like redeem her just enough by the end of the movie yeah which and I do I do like the kind of like half redemption of like she doesn't be like I'm gonna go I'm gonna become a second grade teacher like she's like I I think that like where she ends career-wise at the end really worked but it was like the little things like that of like, and now she's in a relationship and now she has a better relationship with her family. And it's like, yeah, she, she can still be an asshole. Like, <laughs> you know, for sure. But I don't know. Um, the one last thing I wanted to say about this movie is, so it's a comedy from 2019. And I think 
you can tell that it's a far like it's a more modern comedy compared to comedies of you know the 90s and early and mid 2000s because as we've discussed so many times so much of the comedy in comedy movies of those eras rely on a lot of punching down humor yeah whereas this one generally avoids that the only thing that really stuck out for me was a remark that was kind of judgmental toward sex workers where a character says something like oh would you trust a lawyer that pays for sex and she's like no there's a little bit of a little bit of body stuff as well there are a few offhand comments Mm. about weirdly sal's body which is the screenwriter so i'm guessing that he was okay with it given that he wrote the joke uh but whatever there's like a comment about his body and then there was also like i think a pretty harsh um and overly simplistic reason about why her father died they were like well he ate unhealthy and so he died and you're like well that feels a little you know (laughs) overly simplified but but yeah i mean i mean in terms of like i mean even like a movie that would have come out 10 years earlier in 09 i mean it's uh pretty close to to night and day although Mm -hmm. you know there there are it's still centered around a white family and most people of color are sort of relegated to smaller roles um Mm -hmm. but again it's it's better than where uh, where we we were which is another thing where it's like I, w- I wish people knew about it and, and saw it when it came out because it would be great to have more rompy, funny, broad comedies that have like some kind of conscience come out. Like it would be cool to see those movies do better. So there's more of them. For sure. You know, room for improvement, but also miles ahead of what we were exposed to in earlier years. Yeah. Um, uh, does this movie pass the Bechtel test. It super does. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh there's no way around it. Folks, it passes the Bechtel it test. It passes handily. lots of combinations of characters. We don't even need to break down how many because it's usually like yeah. if there are two women in the script, they I believe all are all named and they all talk to each other. So thrilled. Usually about money. Usually about money and crimes and scams and ethics. And, you know, there are conversations that reference the boyfriend, the brother, and the father, but they are, I would say, in the minority of conversations. And now to the only metric that truly matters, the nipple scale. Caitlin, what are you giving buffaloed on the nipple scale? Um, Well, on our scale of zero to five nipples, where we rate the movie based on looking at it through an intersectional feminist lens, I would give this... I guess like a three and a half mm-hmm. because, you know, like we discussed, it's it's a movie that allows a like ethically complicated woman yeah. to exist and explore her like all the moral ambiguities that she's dealing with in her work and her life, which most stories don't make any room for. In a way that, like, I didn't mention this earlier, but it's like, I feel like this could be sort of seen as like a girl boss narrative, but I feel like it's only truly a girl boss narrative if the movie is endorsing the crimes, which I don't think right. that this movie is. This, like, no. So I, I feel like it's, um, it's all good. Yeah. I just wish it was like, I mean, I wish more people knew about it and hopefully this, a little better. I mean, this episode is going to just freaking 
what a publicity moment for this movie now that we're covering <laughs> no i'm kidding but um zoe deutsch should send us send us an edible arrangement for this i swear <laughs> to god thank you zoe but i think because there are like issues with just like it's kind of a sloppy script and the characters are extremely cartoonish and inconsistent and there's just some like kind of storytelling things i i i feel like it won't like stand the test of time the way that like people still revisit movies like wolf of wall street and the big uh, short, the big short yeah. and these like I mean, male-centered premises yeah. unfortunately those movies do fucking slap they, they they're rule. so good yeah <laughs> i know and this one doesn't quite rule quite so hard just from like a quality standpoint so but i, would like I to feel see like it'll be kind of like lost it. to time yeah yes Yes. So, but um, yeah, I'll give it a three and a half. Um, I'll give one to Francis, her her pal that she met in the pen, mm-hmm. in the clink. Wow. Uh, I'll give one to. You're so worldly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so cool. Uh, I'll give one to Becker, the other woman she befriends from prison. Um, I'll give one to Judy Greer, and I'll give my half nipple to the rotting infested buffalo oh yeah that's Taylor, on do you think Greer's that was a wall. metaphor for something i was like oh well, whatever okay fine we liked the movie <laughs> i'll go three and a half as well um i think that this is a movie with its heart in the right place i've never seen a movie like it i agree that the execution is a little all over the place is a little sloppy but i think i mean i i i really like the vibe this movie has which is like talking about something that is serious in a lighthearted rompy way i feel like that is like Mm -hmm. super 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 the best way to or like a really effective way to start conversations like this of like not feeling like you're going to a lecture or like you're going to school or even like you're gonna fucking Mm -hmm. cry but it's like you (laughs) learn about something that affects most people in a way that is yep. goofy and fun and accessible. Um, I think it's cool. Uh, I Yeah, like sure. we were just talking about, I think that like Peg, you know, I'm not always rooting for her, but I feel like her predicament is contextualized and that her, you know, crimes aren't endorsed, but we also know why she's doing it, but it also isn't like an overly like, I am mommy, thus I crime kind of thing. I just thought it was right. cool. Uh, I thought the Jermaine Fowler character was incomprehensible, but <laughs> that's not his fault. He just, he did his job. Um, yeah. But that character was so confusing. The Judy Greer character was at times confusing, like, mm-hmm. uh, like in terms of who she was and what she was about. But I liked the relationship between, I think like this movie at its, was at its best for me when it was like looking at money and um, generational stuff and class. Like that's where it really, yeah. really succeeded. Um, and I would love to see more movies like this. And I'm very glad we got to cover sure. it. So I'm going to give it three and a half nipples. Uh, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give one to the, the rotting buffalo head. I'm going to give one to Jermaine Fowler's dirty underwear. I'm going to give oh, yes, one yes. to uh, the secretary who didn't care about anything. And then I'll give <laughs> my last half to Judy, the waitress. And oh, oh so iconic. iconic. Um, Denny's, it's an American institution. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, Shelly, what um, do you think? Okay, I'm going to go with three. I do want to say I gave it four and a half on Letterboxd, but that's just because I was just like in such a good mood after watching it. <laughs> the first time. 
<laughs> people are going to come for you. Like, this like, is Wait. life changing. <laughs> this is life changing. I was like four and a half. Um, but I would do three. One is just for Judy Greer in general. Mm-hmm. Like Judy Greer being a part of this movie in general. Um, the second one is because I really like seeing a not so kind super moral girl when it comes to movies about money Mm -hmm. and debt and collecting money and all that kind of stuff and the third one is for i'm gonna say the wardrobe i know that's so stupid but i know she looks incredible the fits are good so i'm gonna say like three (laughs) total but i thought it was like super great and i really do enjoy that it was i mean we keep saying it but women's history month i really do like the um a movie about a girl who's kind of an asshole when it comes to money and she's not she just wants it she wants it to want it Mm -hmm. she doesn't want it to like solve world hunger or to like Mm -hmm. rebuild the community center or anything like that she just wants it because she wants money and i really like that and and i like what it taught about like debt and collecting and money in general so three yeah I love that it had like such a clear like mission too and like that there its main character could still be a huge asshole and I feel like it pulled it off the mission like I learned shit watching this movie she was a complete jerk but I did learn stuff I got verified on some information that I already knew that I was very happy about Mm -hmm. which made me like want to tell people about it even more and I also think that Zoe's just a, a really good actress I think she's just mm-hmm. like good at what she does. I think she's pretty talented too. But yeah. I dug it. I really like it. I can't believe I learned so much about buffaloes and wings. What and the fuck? It, um, it, it was so fun to watch your uh, mind be blown <laughs> in real time by that. You're like, Pfft. it literally was. I haven't had that feeling in so long because I was did not really attach it to that. It was the greatest. Shelly, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for bringing us this movie. Um, if you're if you're looking to watch it, it's on it's on Hulu. It's easy. It's accessible. It's on Hulu. Um, yes. And Shelly, where can we uh, follow your work and follow you online? Plug away. I, oh God, I hate this part. I'm so, I hate this part. Yeah. I'm going to be great <laughs> at this part. Um, but I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Hi, Shelly on Twitter. And then I'm on Instagram, Ayo Shelly. A-Y-O-S-H-E-L-L-I and then hi H-I-S-H-E-L-L-I on Twitter. Usually I just share all my work there on Twitter and I'm always like having some discourse that I'm not really invited into but or I try to start it and then I it happens and then I just leave. Um, and then you yeah, oh I love to start a conversation and then mute. It's one of my favorite things to do to start it and then be like oh I don't want to be here anymore. This was just a passing thought about this movie. I actually fuck this bye everybody. You're like oh. actually see you the fuck later. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I've made a huge mistake. But like most recently I'm on a, a, a <laughs> I'm on a Eurovision. I love Ooh. Eurovision. Um, and so I'm like trying. I'm mostly talking about Eurovision on Twitter right now because I've personally yeah. ranked all 37 songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, you're that kind of on Twitter right now. I <laughs> I am, and I personally have ranked all 37 songs. And um, but yeah, it's great. But that's mainly where I'm at. I'm never leaving Twitter. I even when it explodes, I will probably still be there in the ruins talking about some movie that no one's ever seen, like Buffalo. So <laughs> me, I was like, I truly think of. I'm like, we're we're like the band going down with the Titanic. You're like, look. <laughs> We are. It's, we're too brain damaged to uh, to not be there. So it gonna, is what it is. We're going to stay here. And I also love that you worked in a Titanic reference. Like, Ooh, right under the wire. Kiss. Right chef's under kiss. the wire. Had to make it happen. <laughs> but thank you for having me. I love coming thank- back. And I'll be back to talk about Jawbreaker. Please. Br- yes. I'm so excited to do that. We're so overdue for a Jawbreaker episode. So we'll, we'll have you then. Yay. And you can follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at Bechtelcast. You can go to our Matreon at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast, where you'll get two bonus episodes every month. This month, we are wrapping up movies directed by women. So we covered big, and we've got... Uh, the, the virgin, virgin suicides. suicides as well so you've got you've got range on the matreon this month oh yeah and uh you can check out our merch store at tpublic.com yes. slash the bechdel cast and with that uh don't, don't we... pay your debt to uh do crime and don't pay your debt <laughs> never pay your bills bye bye infinity presents a new chapter in luxury The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's out there? is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.